Hello, I'm Michael Watson, and this is the Influence Watch podcast. Across the country, bold political leadership for members of both parties has eased or overridden special interest groups' resistance to reopening public schools. But linguini-spined leaders of both parties have permitted teachers' unions to force children to endure, at this point, nearly a full year of isolation and virtual learning. Fighting the battle at Ground Zero in the D.C. suburbs have been the parents of Fairfax County Public School students, who stand opposed by the Fairfax Education Association, which back last summer set an effectively medically impossible standard for return to work. Excuse me, to classrooms. The union has insisted to me personally that the schools are open for virtual learning. I regret the error. Joining me is one of those parents, Lisa Turkeltow, to discuss the efforts and organizing of Open FCPS, a campaign group pushing to reopen the schools for real. Uh, hello, Lisa. Thank you for joining us. Hello. Thank you for having me today. Uh, so if you could just tell, tell us a little bit about yourself, about how you got involved. Sure. Um, back in March 2020, I was a mom in one of the um, best school districts in the country, Fairfax County Public Schools. And my involvement was I, I paid my real estate taxes and I thought that was my contribution um, to the school system and I was doing my civic duty. Um, in July, um, after we endured, you know, the school shut down, I think March 10th or March 13th of 2020. And after we endured that virtual learning experience for a few months in July, we were very helpful when we received a communication about hybrid opportunity for the fall. And hybrid, so we felt hybrid for our listeners in places like Florida, Montana, Iowa, or Wyoming, the places that have had the bold political leadership. Hybrid is they go back some days, but not all days, right? Correct. So the hybrid model presented in July to us was Mondays, no school at all. You have a Monday morning meeting. Um, my children would have went to school Tuesdays and Wednesdays, and then Thursdays and Fridays, no school, asynch 100% asynchronous. And that was the plan in July 2020. Mm. Then uh, about a week or two before school was supposed to happen, um, they canceled hybrid. So at first it was the teachers need more time to adopt to the virtual environment. And I really was understanding about that at that time because it was all new tools, like new apps, a new um, learning environment. And at that point, I was still very much like, OK, this is going to happen for us. And they needed two more weeks to start this process. Right. And I thought that seemed reasonable, actually. Mm. And then two weeks later, it was completely canceled. And so, we... So you guys expected to go back. And then all of a sudden, it was dropped on you that, no, you're not going back. You're staying on Zoom. Yeah. And... Um, and then I started getting involved <laughs> and then I started sinking out other parents because I, I couldn't, based on what I knew, what was already happening in the rest of the country, it wasn't even on my radar that this was something that was possible to happen for us. Like I participated in the, there was a public comment um, meeting with the school board and I participated in that. And um, and then at that point, when the, the rug was really pulled out from underneath us, and I we weren't expecting it, honestly, that's how um, 
naive we were in September. Mm-hmm. Like we just weren't, we really thought that that was the commitment that they've already yeah, made you, to I us. I mean, you, th- you thought that the, that everybody, the teachers, the school board, the union were all behaving in good faith and they just needed a little more time and then whack. Yeah. And um, then I started, I joined up with the open FCPS activist group. Um, and I've, I, you know, they have a track on, they've been watching the school board um, and participating in a lot of the political movements around the issue. And my eyes were just, I couldn't even believe what was what was going on at that point until I synced up with the open mm-hmm. FCPS activist group and realized um, what an obstructionist um, the unions were being in in trying to solve the problem. So, and what sort of so now again we're almost a year into this uh, into yeah. this lockdown, and what sort of demands are are they making that that they won't go back unless the go, the city does X unless the county does Y. So, um, you know, it's so interesting. Um, I wish it was that simple. I wish it was an X and a Y answer because you could solve that, right? If you, if you, if you had a clear cut expectation that was reasonable, you could work together to solve it. But that's not, that's not actually what's happening. And so what a lot of people don't realize is the amount of money the unions have to spend on marketing campaigns to represent their, um, their point of view is astronomical. And right around the September, August, September timeframe, the FEA and the VEA, FEA they came the out. Fair, uh, Fairfax Education Association and VEA is Virginia Education Association. These are the state and local affiliates of the National Education Association, which is the largest teachers union and, in fact, the largest trade union in the country. Continue. And so they launched this huge marketing campaign and they had some really good slogans with it. And these slogans were are um, only when it's safe and teachers are virtually priceless. And these these marketing campaigns are all over Twitter, all over Facebook, in every communication they send, um, in school board comments and letters, it's everywhere. And this marketing campaign really doesn't define these terms at all, except for um, at some point during this campaign, they established um, 0% community spread of COVID and 100% vaccination for teachers and students. And, and let's be clear about how extreme those are. Not only is like there is community spread of influenza, which is substantially more dangerous to children every single year, every single one. There is, and as of when I'm recording this on February 25th, 2021, there is no, zero, none vaccination approved by the Food and Drug Administration for anyone under the age of, I believe, 16. It's either 16 or 18. So they are saying, with those two standards, no school ever. Yeah. And they they put this out, um, they put this out before the vaccines were approved, so this even. was before even they had the adult vaccines. Yeah, yeah, that were approved. We knew Moderna and Pfizer were working on these, but they were not approved at that point. And and so, you know, at that point, I thought, okay, 
wow, it's such an unreasonable goalpost they they set. And now we knew, you know, Miami-Dade was open. Houston was open. Like, I called Houston and I said, I was, I asked, are, are, are you open? I called some schools and they're like, yeah, we're open. I'm like, well, what does that mean? They're like, the kids are in the school every day. And I like <laughs> laughed. I was like, really? And, you know, it was, it, I, it was blowing my mind how many schools were open. And then, you know, Georgia, Georgia was slow to trickle, but they eventually got got there for five days. Um, and, you know, it was just amazing to me. And, and when the union really came out in writing on that in the September, October timeframe, I, I thought, okay, it's so unreasonable. The school board is going to yeah, move they'll forward. Surely, with they'll something. surely see reason. Yeah. But no, <laughs> um, no, the, the slogan only when it's safe. It's really interesting because the school board, you know, started adopting that slogan. Now, the school board refuses to meet with parents. I don't know if anyone really knows that, but the school board does not take meetings with parents. Um, the most that they do is actually now th there's there's. There's a couple of stakeholders in any public education environment. Um, there's the children. The children are the primary stakeholders because they're the users of the public yeah, education the, system. The, 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 the students are the are the customers, are the people being served by the ostensible public service. But of course, they have no representation. They're, now, the school board is supposed to represent them. That is the only job of the school board. But we'll, we'll, but in, we'll get but there. But in reality. <laughs> <laughs> right. So then you have the parents. And the only people we're representing is our children. That That's our only interest. Um, you have the employees, which are the teachers, administrative staff, bus drivers, ancillary support roles. And um, and then you have the taxpayers who pay for it. And those are the those are the stakeholders of the public education system. And you also have the county board of supervisors, which also, you know, they fund the school system. So they're they're part of that stakeholder. And then the state funds. Right. That's another part of the stakeholder. But but the main stakeholder is the children. And the school board, the only stakeholder that has access to the school board and the school administration is the unions. Hmm. Parents have no access to that. Um, and I'll give you a couple of examples of that. The school Please. board, one, will not meet with parents. Um, number two, they are, they orchestrate these town hall meetings. Um, but in any town hall meeting, there's a moderator, and if they don't like your question, they'll disconnect you. They'll hang up the phone. On oh, you. right. And and these and these town hall meetings are of course all virtual. Yes. So they they know. I mean, they can see your little Zoom box, and they know who the union people are, and they know who the you know the people who used to work on their political staff and then went to Richmond are. Yep. You know, so if you're not one of them, why would they call on you? Yep. And then um, and, and so there's no access. They don't respond to emails except with form letters. Um, they don't respond to any Facebook page, um, posts on their page. Um, and so and then what was happening is in, in the school board meetings, you're allowed as of right before the last meeting they had, they allowed 10 public comments at school board meetings. And all of these Sorry, were taken. Farcical. Yeah, <laughs> and all of farcical. these. Yeah, and and all of these were taken by the unions. It was union after union number. A, a parent, we could not get 
a public comment like um, position at a, at a school board meeting because they were all taken by who already had access. The unions already have unfeathered access to the school board and to the administration. Wow. And and so as a movement, we we it took us a while to get smart about this. Um, mm-hmm. But there was um they had a budget meeting recently on the capital improvement fund. And this was an all, this was an open meeting. And we didn't think a lot of people would show up to it because there was a rule that you have to speak on topic. Mm. And we thought, okay, well, we can't get access to a school board meeting. Let's try to get a speaking spot at this meeting. And two of us signed up because we were just testing it out. Yeah, we're yeah, seeing it's... like what happens. And there were only, this is a public meeting. And so the public meeting for open schools was, you know, 10 or 15 hours and it was over three days, right? Mm -hmm. This was just only about 10 speakers were shown up in total for this meeting, right? That's how unpublicized, uneventful this meeting was supposed to be. Right. And they wouldn't let us talk. They interrupted us. Um, They, you know, at the beginning of the meeting, they said, if you are up, off topic, we won't let you finish. But sometimes even if you try to be on topic, you have an introduction, you know, oh, maybe sure. it takes you, you a little I while mean, to you're, get you're to You're discussing point. the capital budget for the school system. If the school system decides to stop existing, that affects its capital budget. <laughs> right, right. And, the, you know, or the fact that the capital budget assumes that people are going to be in school. How about let's just start at that? So any right. topic about opening schools could be related to the capital budget. And they were really disrespectful to us. And we even had a student, like a girl in junior high school, mm-hmm. um, was giving public testimony and they interrupted her like five times. And the mom says, can you, she's a student, she's a child. Can you just let her speak, please? And, you know, that, that was really, really interesting. Um, but at that meeting, they said, come speak for public comments at the school board meeting and you can speak about any topic you would like. And um, so we've banded together and we we figured out a way, you know, if if 100 of us are trying to those slots go open at 6 a.m. And if, you know, if 100 of us are trying to get a slot and pressing the click button at 6 a.m., chances are we'll get yeah, some maybe, of the slots. Maybe a few will fall through. <laughs> yeah. And so we started doing that. And part of the messaging that we started doing at those things is like we are the parents of the children and we deserve to be heard. Like our opinion deserves a a seat at the table. You have to come and engage in conversation with us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they, you know, they still will not hold a town hall for the open FCPS parents. Um, It's very interesting because if you try to ask them just one simple question how can all these counties all across the United States, how can private schools in Fairfax County be open for five days of in-person education and we are closed, they won't answer the question. It comes down to the union slogan, only when it's safe. And they go back to this union marketing slogans, (laughs) only when it's safe. And we must do everything we can. And so much so, do you know that the vaccination of teachers, so all of Fairfax County teachers um, were priority vaccinated? I I I saw that there was some reporting that the teachers in Fairfax County were priority for vaccination. And then after the vaccine started, that was when they welched on going back to school. Yeah. And and, and not only that, but... (laughs) 
<laughs> but but they were part, ahead of the elderly, right? My, you know, 85-year-old in-laws got their vaccination after teachers did, <laughs> okay? And, and, after- and, and for those who have mercifully been living under a rock for the past year, the the danger, the medical danger from the coronavirus is monotonically increasing with increasing age. That if you are elderly, you are at very high risk of complications. If you are young, you are at, I mean, if you're a child, you're at negligible risk. So the fact that they were prioritizing teachers who may be younger over 85-year-olds and then that the teachers bailed on their side of the bargain is utterly disgusting to me. Yep. And not only that, but they kept on saying, well, it's not, it's, it's not, it's only when it's safe and never defining, never come to the table and defining what is safe, you and know, never, and, the, never, and what I'm hearing is not negotiate. I mean, you know, cause like, you know, I'm, I, I do labor, like I do labor policy. That's kind of my thing. Yeah. And you know, we all, you know, we've seen, you know, you see in the private sector, you see like at the, at the auto workers, right? You know, GM, they sit down with the auto workers union and they negotiate and maybe there's a strike for a couple of weeks because the union thinks they can get more. But in the end, everybody has to sit down and everybody has to give a little and everybody has to get a little. And what I'm hearing is what we'd call in, in private sector labor policy, you know, uh, not negotiating in good faith that that they're putting out that the the teachers union is putting out these standards that either are impossible to meet or if they're going to offer a concession they walk it back as soon as they've got it a hundred percent and not even that but the obstructionist nature of the teachers union so the teachers unions don't really even represent the common viewpoint among teachers. And I don't know if people realize that, but, you know, I have talked to teachers and, you know, there's a lot of teachers who are nervous about going into the classroom. And rightfully so, we're all nervous about returning back to work, Mm -hmm. but they're willing to do it 100%. They said, of course, I'm I'm nervous, but, you know, I do think it's safe. If I wear a mask, I feel like it's a safe environment to go into. it's, it's It's safe enough to do my job, to do my duty. Yeah. So the teachers unions, what's what's really interesting about this is, one, they 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 represent a very limited opinion of teachers, not the full scope of, you know, what most teachers even think is reasonable out there. Hmm. And a big part of the teachers that they represent are are people who were already had prolonged disenfranchisement with the system. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that of the people that they represent is there's a very commonality to the people who are like, we must be virtual all of the school year. We should not be returning to the classroom. And, the, and there's there are these outliers where they either have a, situ, a situational risk that's been exasperated by COVID. Right. So mm-hmm. there are teachers out there that definitely but the, have but people. But they're people who could be accommodated if like if you were negotiating in good faith, you could say these people who have a, you know, a comorbidity or who are primary caretakers for an unvaccinated elderly person or whatever that you could say, you could make a reasonable accommodation for them, but not have to hold everybody else out. But right. of course, we're and not in, negotiating in good faith. <laughs> right. And that would be a good faith. But instead, what the unions did was um, 
in around um, October or November, there was, and I saw a copy of this communication, a copy of a communication from the union went out to its members and it very specifically stated, you know, Fairfax County is doing a survey across all teachers of who is willing to return to the classroom under the hybrid method. Hmm. There has been no talk in Fairfax County about returning to five days, none. So this mm-hmm. is September, October about that. Are you willing to return to the hybrid method? They were asking again, the teachers and the union said, say no, tell them that you are going to quit, whether you're, you mean it, whether you're serious about it or not, just it, the survey doesn't matter, but we need to have enough numbers showing that we are going to quit if I mean, they make a, us that's return stri- to the like, classroom. That's striking. That, that is, that is a strike. That is not. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That so, is a strike. So, and, as, as, yep. so I, if, if just to kind of move, move along as they're doing all this horrible stuff, uh, yep. obviously now you guys have, having seen how well organized the teachers union is, how much money and resources they have to throw around. Um, I, I'm sure that, that, that they're, pu- are they pushing back on you guys personally? Are they, are they, are any of your members getting, intimidation? Are people coming up to you guys and saying, you know, we'd love to, we, we think you guys are right, but we can't say it publicly because we're afraid that the teachers union will cancel us? There's all of that. There's all of that going on. So um, there's, uh, there's a, um, a Facebook group called FCPS Discussion Group. Mm-hmm. And originally, so there's there's two main Facebook groups, FCPS discussion group and open FCPS. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the open FCPS Facebook group, our policy is, you know, you can only post things that are in favor of opening FCPS. Right. It's, a it's, a, pro- it's, a, it's an advo- it's an advocacy page. People yeah. on the group should support the advocacy. Right. And that's the really the only rule is that you need to support the advocacy. Um, on the FCPS discussion group, um, it started out with this is just all discussion. And then at first it was limit the open FCPS discussion because that's what a lot of people wanted to talk about. It was very polarized. Because it's so, because it's so critical to everything that goes on in the county and, it, and in the schools in the county, of course. <laughs> yeah. So, so they were like, uh, limit your post to one post a day on it. So then, you know, there was for a while, you know, people were posting at 12.01, right? <laughs> Got my post in for the day. And that was fun for a while. And then after, and then, but there was even intimidation on that page where there was a couple of um, union operatives on the on the page that started really, you know, 100% virtual and it's never going to be safe to go back to school and, um, you know, that schools are open mentality. Oh, the, the well, the, I mean, we got it like, so back last summer, we started getting the first inklings from Fairfax County that that the teachers unions there were being particularly obstinate and, and we wrote it up, uh, that, that they were talking about shutting down for the whole, for at least back then it was just, just the fall, of course, that right. they then extended it. Yeah. Um, and we, and when, when we said that the schools were going to be closed, I mean, they sent us a nasty letter saying, Oh no, 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 no. They are open for virtual learning. And the teachers <laughs> yeah. are working very hard. We promise. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so no, they, they, because otherwise they'd have to own up to the fact that they're standing in the schoolhouse door. Yeah. 
And and what's really interesting is, and you know, if, if we were going to have an honest, good faith conversation about what's happening, is the teachers are working really hard. They're working more hours than they normally would in a school year, for sure, to support the virtual environment. But the sad thing about it is, whether a teacher works, you know, forty hours a week or a hundred hours a week, virtual learning is ineffective. Doesn't work. And and those hours don't equate to effectiveness. And that's what's really disheartening about the whole situation. So that the people who are saying schools are open, it's open in an ineffective manner. And you have teachers who are working very very hard. You know, my children's teachers are amazing. Um, but but I've even told them I'm like I. It's just not as effective as if my kid would be next to you in a classroom and, how, and you can and see how the, the kids, struggle. I mean, we've seen some like stories about the mental health toll that not being able to see their friends. I mean, yeah. I have I have two children. Thank God. I live in the state of Maryland, which is even worse at school yeah. reopening than Virginia. It's worse than every state in the country. Um, you know, thank God my children are too young to yeah. have to endure this. But, yeah. you know, we pulled, the, you know, back when the uh, when the pandemic started, we pulled them out of daycare and, uh, you know, in, in recent months we've started, you know, they've started having play dates again and they were doing, you know, I mean, one of them's, one of them's nine months old, but, uh, you know, our, our, our two-year-old is doing a lot better now that she can, now that she can see other kids. So I, I'm wondering yeah. how you guys are doing with, with that isolation problem. You know, it, it's an ebb and flow environment. I mean, so our personal experience is, you know, my daughter is a gymnast and thank goodness that gymnastics opened last June because it really gave her something to mm. latch onto. Like and she, they did and she virtual. Could with, she could be with her teammates. and Yeah. And so she's had that pretty consistent since June and that has been fantastic. And then she has been able to find ways because she's in sixth grade. So she's been able to find ways to, you know, friendships expand and contract at that age. And she's mm. been able to expand and contract, not expand um, as much as we would have liked her to have those possibilities. But it goes, it, it ebbs and flows. I mean, mm -hmm. it's still very difficult to be home and virtual, and she's not really learning very much mm -hmm. um, in, in this environment. Um, for my second grader, though, um, you know, in the fall, we had soccer. Like, where he was running around with kids and there was mm -hmm. no outbreak. Okay. Oh, kids yeah. were outside running around. There's, you know, hundreds of kids on the, um, great falls rest in soccer league and, you know, no outbreaks. Parents wore masks. Kids were allowed to be maskless on the field, but masked on the sidelines. They had, you know, they had mm -hmm. rules in place that everyone um, adhered to. And, but, you know, with the cold winter, I mean, he has had nothing, you know, mm -hmm. there's no soccer, um, Boy Scouts, you know, you're there, they allow outside activities, but the last, you know, eight weeks have been too cold. Right. It's been, it's been pretty cold. Yeah. So, you know, that is, it's, it's really hard for an eight year old to just to have nothing to do. And and what I equate it with is if, if, if you know, if you ever know people who retired without a retirement plan, um, you know, so some people are like, I'm going to retire and then I'm going to have all these second jobs, like either mm -hmm. volunteering or, or whatever, or traveling or, or whatever it is. But, right. you know, if you see people who retire without a job, like without having like that purpose in the morning,
morning. Like, why am I getting up? What am I doing? How am I contributing? How am I adding value? It's, it's a, I think what's happening, you know, with, um, what I see happening in kids is very similar to that. What happens to people when they retire. It's interesting. Uh, a few, a few months, I think it was a month ago at this point, uh, somebody on, on Twitter circulated an art piece that a like a, I think it was a high school age. It was either a late junior high or high school age kid uh, made uh, about sort of life in school lockdown. That sounds exactly what like what you're talking about. And if I can find it, I'm going to put it in the show notes because I recommend that anyone listening to this watch it and look into the face of that of that uh, of that child artist and say that what we are doing is not a is, is not a frankly a crime. Yeah, it is. And if you even look at, you know, we have one woman in the in our open FCPS group who represents military families and a lot of speaking engagements. And um, because Fairfax County, we have a lot of military families, yeah, you're, you're, active duty the, military you've families. Pentagon, you've got uh, what's the f- um, Arlington, Arlington Cemetery, the military posting net connected to Arlington Cemetery. Yeah, we've got Langley, we've got the Pentagon. I mean, we've got this, you know, the State Department has places everywhere. And 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 here and here's the thing, a lot of those military kids moved here over the summer. They haven't they, been they able have no connection. They haven't been able to meet anybody. No community connection. So their parents are going to work, right? They're serving. <laughs> right. They're, they're, they have to report to base. <laughs> they report to base. And the county is telling them it's, it's not safe for them to be in school with a vaccinated teacher right now. Unbelievable. And we're only going into two days. So my kids have not been in school since for a year, basically. It'll be a year in two weeks from now. They are slated, my son's slated to go back to school on March 9th. And, or, or 10th. And, um, and it's only for two days a week. Um, and the other thing that the, the unions have been promoting um, what we're calling now hygiene theater. And I don't know if anyone um, here knows what is, hygiene is this the six, theater this is. is. The, oh, we have to have the six feet of separation. We have to have, we have everything has to be hand sanitizer. We got to send the kids home at one o'clock so that we can sanitize everything, that sort of thing. Yes. Um, and so if you think about, you know, when, when the world went into lockdown in March 2020, um, the playgrounds closed, right? This right. was a disease that we didn't know anything about and how it was spreading. And so we 100% lockdown and I get it. But since then, you know, science has changed right. in we've the last it. year. We, we've, we've learned a lot over the past. We've learned over, a lot. I mean, we've developed, we should be looking at the vaccines that we have and the vaccines that are in the approval queue as medical miracles that will allow us to return to normal life with, yes, we've lost 500,000, you know, we've lost 500,000 people and that's, and every one of those deaths is a tragedy. But man, if we didn't get those vaccines as quickly as we did, it could have been a heck of a lot worse, you know, and instead we're talking about, I mean, never having school again, never having sporting events again, never having uh, a cultural world again, uh, even after everybody has the vaccine, it's insane. Yep. 
And and this thing of hygiene theater, it kind of started in um, September, October with the unions and the Fairfax County School Board. So um, up to this point, you know, if you think about it, you know, we I probably, you know, we started going to the grocery store ourselves, you know, by April. We were or by May. Definitely. We started going to Walmart in June. Like we started going out and interacting in society a lot over the summer. I mean, otherwise we'd have all gone gone mad. Yeah, exactly. And we weren't getting sick, right? At the first yeah. time I went to Walmart, I'm like, okay, you know, maybe I might have caught COVID, but I didn't, right? And <laughs> and then we realized how effective mask wearing was because I remember one time I was in the um the Tyson's Corner Mall, which is the biggest mall here in, in Fairfax County, and there were thousands upon thousands of people at the mall. And this was probably in the fall time. Oh, yeah. Fall no, I've, time I've, zone. I've, been to the, I've been to the mall in uh, in Annapolis. Yeah, it's, you know, it's its normal level of full. Yeah. And everyone's wearing a mask. And there was no outbreak related to people being at the mall. And so as you go out there and participate in society, you realize that mask wearing is highly, highly effective to mitigate transmission. Um, but at the same time frame, the union was saying um, they'd go to school board meetings and they'd say there's not enough PPE, but they wouldn't say what PPE is. But it it lent itself to they weren't they were referring to more than masks, but they weren't saying more than masks, mm-hmm. not enough PPE, because you're kind of like everyone brings their own masks right. Every, anywhere. Every, everybody at this point has you know, two dozen cloth masks and or a box of surgical masks. Yeah. Yeah. And so they're saying not enough PPE. And, you know, so they're kind of referring to surgical dressing and whatnot, that the expectation was teachers would be wearing, even in the fall, you know, like full surgical dressings while they teach the class. And they put out some propaganda pictures that even showed that in the class, in the classrooms. And um, and now, even with our two day back to school schedule now on the buses, kids are one to a row on the buses in this hybrid environment. But the school across the whole entire county has instruction time had to be cut by another 15 minutes um, so they could adequately clean the school buses and desanitize them um, between runs with students. Unbelievable. And why does the union even have a say in that? Like they're not on the bus. The teachers aren't even on the bus. Unbelievable. Well, you know, I, it's, again, it, it, it's amazing just how much power and influence the teachers union and the other uh, government worker unions, even in a state like Virginia that doesn't have, I mean, you know, in Maryland, we expect it basically the government worker unions have run the state for 50, 60 years, you know, Virginia doesn't have a particularly strong tradition of government worker unionism, but even in, in a state like Virginia, the, the sheer power and the sheer obstinacy and the sheer bad faith, uh, of the unions, uh, is, is, is amazing. Well, uh, Lisa, thank you for joining us. Uh, we wish you and all your open FCPS colleagues, uh, who are fighting for your kids' education against powerful special interest factions that must be vanquished. Uh, many good lucks. Thank you uh, so much for having me today. That's our show for this week. We encourage our listeners to subscribe on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. And if you have subscribed, thank you. And please leave us a five-star rating. Those ratings really help us find new listeners, especially if those ratings come with a positive review. We'll see you all next week. <laughs>